Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Now, just so you understand this, biblically, Joshua is a picture of Jesus, all right? You read through the book of Joshua, you'll see that. But Joshua, is a, he is like a picture of Jesus. So we're going to read through the story, and then we're going to break it down. And hopefully all this makes sense at the end. But my goal really is just to point all of our direction on Jesus, who knows, again, how to step into the middle of our mess and stay there with us until you get through it. Our God is a waymaker. As Pastor James will explain in today's message, this attribute is made clear in the book of Joshua. Have you ever driven on a road that required you to drive through a body of water? This isn't that common of an experience in the day of well-developed roads with clear paths and safe bridges. But that wasn't the case for the Israelites as they approached the Jordan River. Crossing a river wasn't easy or safe, but God would once again make a way where there was no way. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Joshua chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I had a whole nother sermon prepared before uh, yesterday. And then Jesus showed up in my devotions, which I was grateful for. Uh, and then he ruined my plan, which I wasn't happy about. But uh, he's Lord and I submit to him. And because um, I do devotions, I do that. I, I, read, I, I read the Bible. Um, you're encouraged. I'm glad. Um, I'm going through Joshua is what I'm going through. And um, man, that book really speaks to my heart. And it was in Joshua where the Lord just kind of just dropped this thing on me. And he's like, listen, um, this whole Christmas thing, and we're, we're, like I said before, we're working our way to the manger, but we're going in reverse. So, but we're not starting at the empty tomb. We're going beyond the empty tomb. Today, we're going to talk about beyond the empty tomb because it didn't, that's not where the story ended. Like, yes, Jesus died on the cross. Sweet, beautiful deal changer. Like that absolutely changed everything. He rose from the grave. The tomb's empty. I've been there three times. It's still empty. Amazing. But the story doesn't end there for Christianity. And sometimes that's where we put the, you know, the bookend. It's like the resurrection. It's like, no, no, no. That's why we read that scripture reading from Hebrews. We have a great high priest. Well, what does that mean? Well, our great high priest made a way. He's made a way. Made a way how? He made a way, a way of access between us and God, okay? This is what Jesus, is, he's, this is what he's in the business of doing. He is in the business of stepping into the mess of our life and making a way. That's what he's in the business of doing. That's what he does. And, and I, as I was praying, because we are going to be in Isaiah chapter 53 today with the suffering servant, we'll do that, but just not today. What he reminded me of today is that, he's like, listen, James, I think what I needed to hear yesterday, what we need to hear today is that, men, the Lord is, he, he is Emmanuel, he is God with us, and he is a way maker. He is the way maker. And that's, that's our post-resurrection Jesus. He's constantly stepping into the impossible for us and making a way. And, that's, and so we're going to start there. And then we'll, we'll work our way into that manger scenario where we really, I think it'll help us to gain, not that you don't appreciate that story, but I think it, 
places more emphasis on him showing up in such a fragile container, him as an infant, God himself taking on human flesh. Um, we, I really appreciate that story so much more when I, when I backtrack a little bit and see like, yeah, but what you did on the cross for me. And then I, and man, it just, it's amazes, it amazes me. So, so we'll be in Joshua today. Joshua chapter three. This is a, I think it's a familiar story. If not, it will be after today. There you go. So um, if you've never read through the book of Joshua, I can't recommend it in, enough, okay? Like the book of Joshua is, is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. It has become near and dear to my heart. It, Joshua is, is one of my favorite biblical characters, an actual guy in human history that took over for Moses. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, okay? He did that, and, but Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land. And there's a whole reason for that. We can cover that somewhere else down the road. But the mantle, so to speak, was passed on to Joshua. Joshua was one of the faithful spies who came back with a good report and nobody listened to him, okay? Um, but now he's going to be the head guy. And what I love about Joshua is I can relate to this guy because I think personality-wise we're, we're somewhat similar. And I know that because I read Joshua chapter 1 and the Lord is repeatedly telling Joshua, hey, quit being afraid, quit being afraid, and trust me. Well, that's, I, I wrestle with that all the time. Fear. I wrestle with fear all the time. And, and God was constantly building Joshua up, saying, listen, dude, I got you. Here's what you need to do. Stay in my word. That's what he told Joshua. Meditate on my word. Day and night. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Stay in my word. And now, as Joshua has taken over for the children of Israel, he comes to somewhat of a, somewhat of a, I don't know, a task, an impossible task within leading three million people, right? He comes to his first like, all right, here you go, Joshua. What are you going to do with this? Now, just so you understand this biblically, Joshua is a picture of Jesus, all right? You read through the book of Joshua, you'll see that. But Joshua, is a, he is like a picture of Jesus. So we're going to read through the story, and then we're going to break it down. And hopefully all this makes sense at the end, but my goal really is just to point all of our direction on Jesus, who knows, again, how to step into the middle of our mess and stay there with us until you get through it, okay? So let's look at this. Verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. I'm reading from the New, New Living Translation. Um, I just kind of like the way it, it, it lays it out, but just follow along. Verse 1, early the next morning, Joshua and all Israelites left uh, Acacia. Yours might say something else, and you're like, I can't say that word. Um, it's very close. You know, like you're, it's Acacia. It's kind of like a, it's, it's a certain region there. But there, the whole camp is on the move. And it says, they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Verse 2, three days. That's kind of a significant number, right? Three days. Three days, the Israelite leaders went through the camp, giving the instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, follow them. So the Ark of the Covenant was where like the presence of God kind of was right there. You got the Levitical priests. The Levitical, the Levitical priests don't normally carry the Ark of the Covenant. This is the first time they're doing it. You got a whole nother group of guys that normally throughout the wilderness wandering, when, once they built the, uh, they constructed the ark there, it was a whole different group of guys who were carrying the ark. 
But in this story, it just so happens to be the priest, the Levitical priest. That's key. That kind of connects to that Hebrews chapter 4 where we have a great high priest whose name is Jesus, okay? So hold on to those connections. So they come to the Jordan River, and the Jordan River, it's not normally, it's not like a, in some spots it's pretty wide, um, but it's not normally like a huge wide river, unless it's the harvest time. Unless it's the harvest time. You got all that spring rain and, and all that, everything. And then the, the banks increase and the current steps up a little bit. And it becomes, at certain points in certain places, very dangerous to try to cross it. They're at one of those places. They're probably at one of the most difficult spots to cross the Jordan River. They're actually at a spot where Jesus would be later baptized by John the Baptist. This is the same spot. Okay? You're like, oh, interesting. Yeah, right? Totally fascinating. Um, This is exactly where God led them, though. This was not an accident by God. This isn't like God didn't know what he's doing, and he's like, oh, man, I should have, like, led you five miles down the road where it's a little bit clear and all that. No, no. He brought them to this place of impossibility. He brought them to this river. At this moment in time, when he knew the banks would be flooded, when he knew the current would be stronger than what they could endure, to the widest point right there at that time, why did he do that? Because he's a way maker. Because he's going to make a way. Because he needs to get myself and you sometimes in a place of our lives where it's like, what am I supposed to do? God, like, you're leading me. You're the good shepherd. I agree with that. I love that. But you brought me to a place where it's like, okay, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't, and I'm normally, I'm a pretty prideful man. I'll admit it. Um, I'm a self-sufficient kind of a guy. I, if, if, you know, I'm just going to work. I'm going to die trying. That's my mentality. Kind of a pit bull kind of mentality. I'm just going to die. I'm going to kill myself trying to figure it out and try to accomplish it. That's a horrible way to live your life. It is. It's sinful because it is pride and it's stubbornness. Ask my wife. She'll, she'll verify that if you need a second witness. Uh, if you need a third, fourth, fifth, just ask my kids. They all know. They all know. But I would show up to the river and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? How do I get across this thing? Sometimes God has to bring us to a place where he's like, you can't cross it. You can't cross it. You can't do it. Well, why'd you bring me here? Well, to remind you that what you can't do, I can do. What you can't do is what I can do. And this is the whole story of salvation. We can't go to heaven on our own. We all have crossed that. It's like, here we are walking. This is... This right here is the Jordan River, and we all at some point in time reach the bank of it, and we're like, well, I, w- I want to go there, but I can't go there. Like, I can't, my good works, the, that raft that I build uh, consisting of my good works, it just crumbles. But how do I get to the other side? Because I want to get to the other side. And God says, well, no, see, what you need is somebody to step in the midst of that river and build a bridge. That's what you need. That doesn't stop at salvation. That doesn't stop at salvation. I foolishly lived so much of my Christian life thinking that that stopped at salvation, that I get to the other side, no more rivers. 
No more impossibilities. No more rivers, right? Because I, now I made it across the biggest one. Now it's supposed to be easy. No, no, no. No, because even, even in this story, the promised land is not heaven. It's not. Because if it were heaven, then why are giants living in it? Why, are there enemy, why is the enemy occupying the land? No, the promised land is your new life in Jesus, which guess what? You just entered into the battle. You thought crossing the river was all it took. No, no, no. You just walked onto territory that's occupied in some spots by the enemy. And here's Joshua, this newly appointed leader, supposed to lead three million people, and they're like, we've already crossed the Red Sea. That was nothing. That was nothing. You're like, the Red Sea, that's a big deal. That was a big deal. Absolutely a big deal. God did that. Moses just, just held out a staff. The waters parted. They walked across dry land. Egyptian army came through. Waters came. God took them all out. That was deliverance out of bondage. That was that. There's a whole nother river within our lives that has to be crossed, and it's the Jordan River, which leads into the promised land, which leads into f battle, fights. It's not heaven. It's not heaven. So if you have that in your brain, delete it. It's not heaven. Heaven's coming. It is coming. But we're not living in it right now. We're just not. So here's this river, the Jordan Bank. The Jordan, it, it's, it's just flowing, right? It's, it's overflowing. The, the further instructions concerning the children of Israel. I, I mean, I just love this, the picture, because Joshua and his other leaders are like, listen, the Levitical priests, those guys are going to carry the presence of God. They're going to go before us. We're going to stay at a distance. We're going to keep our eyes on them because we're going to follow what? We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to follow the Lord at a distance. It says, um, he goes on to say, uh, this is Joshua. Joshua is more than likely the guy who, who uh, helped like, preserve this letter, pin this letter through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, it says, you follow them. Verse 4, it says, since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. You need to understand this generation that's, that's going into the promised land has never entered the promised land. They've only heard stories. They've never gone this way before. So you're going, on a, you're going on a new journey, a new adventure. You've never been there before. What's the best advice I can give you if you're going on the adventure that the Lord's leading you on? Keep your eyes on him and just follow him. Don't get ahead of them. Don't get too close where you're pushing them. Like, go faster, God, because that's what I like to do, because I'm very impatient. That's another flaw of mine. There you go. It's Sunday flaw time with James, okay? Like, I'm stubborn. I'm prideful. I'm very impatient. Sometimes I feel like I'm behind God saying, like, hey, okay, let's just go faster. Just go faster. And he's like, would you give me some space, right? Just let me do my thing. Follow at a distance. Keep your eyes on him. Trust him. So stay about a half a mile between them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Well, you come too close to that thing, you're going to die, okay? So keep your distance, respect him, and trust him. Verse 5, then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you, or sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart. You're facing a task that's impossible. The best place to, to really to kind of start in one sense is you keep your eyes on the Lord. You're like, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, 
but I got to trust you. I'm, I'm just going to stay focused on you. So you keep your eyes on the Lord, but then you also have to kind of look inwardly. What's going on inside of you? Is there something going on inside of you? Maybe some sin you're holding on to or something that you're just not unwilling to let go of. Joshua is telling his people, he's like, you need to sanctify yourselves, purify yourselves, because God's about to do something amazing. So clean up your act. Clean it up. Well, I don't think you should tell me to do that. Well, come on, get over it. Like, clean it up. You're following him. You're trusting in him. Purify yourselves. Why? Because our God is holy, holy. The angels right now are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's all they say about him. So we, his followers, it's like, okay, I'm, man, Lord, I'm, I'm at the bank of this river. I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm thinking I got a whole laundry list in my own brain of all these things where I'm like, I don't know how you're going to do it. But what I can't miss out on is like, all right, Lord, examine my heart. See if, if there be any, any wicked way within me. If there's anything inside of me, Lord, I just want to, man, purify me, God. Purify me. Sanctify yourself. And Joshua says, listen, God's going to do something amazing in your sight. So be ready. Be ready. Be ready for that. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you great in the, in the eyes of all the Israelites. That's not a bad thing. Listen, God can exalt whoever he wants to. Okay, we might look at that and be like, oh, he shouldn't be. No, no, God's going to exalt Joshua as the leader, showing him to the children of Israel that he can be trusted and he is worth following. So, God's like, listen, Joshua, I got your back, man. I got your back. Keep your eyes on me. I got your back. Just trust me. Let's go. Lead them across the river. This is crazy. So they started out. Then verse 7 happens. I'm sorry. I went back to verse 6 there. But it says, I'll make you great in the eyes of all the Israel, uh, Israelites. Now they, they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give these instructions to the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into that river and stop and stop. Here's where it kind of started really the Lord speaking to my heart yesterday. Because I'm going through this Bible study thing. It asked me questions. It's like, what, what river of impossibility have you faced within your life? And I'm like, you don't have enough paper um, for me to fill this thing out. Like, I can't, no, just give me a simple answer. Like, yes or no. I don't like to, I don't like to go into that. And it's like, I got so many. But the, the whole purpose of the Bible study was point to the fact of like, yeah, but Jesus is your high priest. How many rivers of impossibility have you, have you come up against and you've gotten the privilege of watching your great high priest step into that river for you. And that's where I went, call crushing down on me. And then it says, well, what's the river in your life? And I said, I'm the river in my life. It's me. The biggest river, Jordan, within my life, so to speak, is myself. So what do I need more than anything? I need the great high priest to step right into my life and to make a way. Because I don't know about you, but I'm the biggest hindrance in my relationship with God. Me. Because I'm selfish. Because I don't like to listen to him at times. I, I love him more than anything. More than anything. But there's times where I'm battling. I'm battling. And, and there's times where I'm in the way. 
when he wants to do, when he wants to make a way, and I'm in the way. And the best thing that you and I can do is, is kind of within this story is like, you know what? Let the high priest take a step into your life. Not that he's not there, but just let him take a step within your life. This is what Emmanuel has done for us. This is part of him showing up as a baby. It's not just to, he's going to come here, yet he's going to live a sinless life. He did that. He died on the cross. Absolutely. That's salvation, man. He did something for us that we can never do. He rose from the grave three days later. He ascended up into heavens. But when he died on that cross, we got to understand that in, in that moment that, man, he, he parted a whole nother barrier within our lives. For the nation of Israel, it was pretty evident. It was pretty miraculous. It was that curtain that separated them from the presence of God was torn into two. He stepped into that thing and made a way. He parted that thing. He's in the business of parting stuff. And he can step into my life and say, listen, hold on, James. I need to step into your life because the only way to get through this is for me to walk into your life and say, all right, hold on, hold on. Let's get through this together. Let's get to the other side, because the goal is always to get to the other side. That's part of this resurrected, God incarnate Jesus that we follow. He's, it's not just like, hey, I rose from the grave. I'm going to go sit at the right hand of my father, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, John chapter 14, uh, until you know, God gives me the green light to go and get you guys. But until then, I'm just going to sit here and hang out. It's like, no, that's not it at all. He's actively interceding on behalf of us nonstop. He's praying for you every moment of every single day, praying for you specifically. He is constantly stepping into the current and the crazy rivers of our lives to part them, to, to make a way. That's what he is constantly doing. We can't forget that. We cannot forget that. And oftentimes I do forget that. And it feels like I get lost in the current of whatever it is and swept down the river and beaten and bashed by whatever rocks may be present within that river. And it's like, I feel like Peter stepping out of the boat and is like, walk on, maybe take a couple of steps on the water, but then you're sinking and you're like, God, save me. You know, and he's like, I'll, I'll save you. I'll do it. But this is, this is a reminder for us. This is who we follow. This is Jesus. He is our great high priest. He is our Joshua. He is leading us. He is constantly leading us. He is worthy to be praised. He is worth trusting. And, and here, here Joshua is telling the, the whole group, he's like, listen, just follow the ark, follow the presence of God, follow the high priest. They're, they're for the first time going to be carrying this thing. They got to step into the water. They didn't do that at the Red Sea. Nobody stepped into the water at the Red Sea. But this crazy raging river, we got to step into this thing. Imagine the faith on their part, the high priest. They're like, wait, hold on. Like, we remember, like, the Moses story was like, Moses just like, you know, the wand, you know, the, his staff, like over it, you know, not the wand, it's not magic <laughs> like that, but like the staff. And they're like, well, can we just have that deal again? And he's like, no, no, no. You guys need to walk out into the water. There's a whole, a whole bunch more that that could be speaking of as well. But I do know this. When you're talking about priest, I, my mind, yes, I know that uh, First Peter talks about us being part of a royal priesthood. The body is part of a royal priesthood. My mind always goes to the high priest. And that 
you know what, it, within my life, Jesus has been more than willing to step into the waters of my life to make a way. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. If you enjoyed today's teaching, you can hear it again or other teachings like it from Pastor James on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Teachings tab. There you'll find a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Did you know that you were never meant to do life alone? As believers in Jesus, we're called to gather together so that we can pray, encourage, and help one another through life. This is what we believe at Bread for the Broken. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you come visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you, too. So drop us a note in the contact form to let us know how we can be praying for you. Our website, one more time, is breadforthebroken.com. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry and, in a way, a mission field. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we would all keep our eyes focused on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for praying, and we hope you'll join us again for our next edition of Bread for the Broken.